Welcome to church. Thank you for making worship part of your Father's Day weekend. I hope we gave you some more dad joke ammo. Uh, my name is Adam, and it's my joy to be the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Church. We are in the midst of phasing back into Sunday in-person worship, so I wanted to give everybody an update on that. So starting June 28th, next Sunday, we're going to be live streaming three services on Sunday, which will also be available to attend in person. We're going to have some stuff on our website where you can sign up. I never thought I'd be figuring out how to make RSVPs to church, but that's part of what it takes to keep us safe right now, and so that's what we're going to do. You know, our goal is to not only meet Clay County's uh, health requirements, but to exceed them. So we're excited to be getting back uh, with our foot in the door here. And so starting June 28th, we're going to have a 9 a.m. contemporary service led by our First United Methodist uh, band, our contemporary band. And then at 10 a.m., we're going to have another contemporary service with music by our West Side, our second campus band. And then at 11 a.m., we're going to have a traditional service uh, with Jeremy and Alice and Ryan and uh, all that good stuff. So all of those are going to be streamed live. All of those are going to be available to be viewed on demand afterwards. So we're excited to get everybody uh, back to church and uh, in a limited capacity at least or as we phase in. And uh, I'm excited to deliver uh, that news to you. As we begin worship, uh, would you join me in saying this ancient statement of faith, uh, the Apostles' Creed, the essentials of what Christians have believed for generations. Uh, please say these words with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So now, wherever you're at, here in person, let me hear you. Online, listen to this in your car. Let's go to God together and uh, let's worship in song. Oh, you're taking me 
Well, with it being Father's Day, I've been thinking a lot about my dad and, and one of my favorite memories came to mind. It was the summer of 1998 and I was going into high school and my family was also moving to Cape Girardeau. And that summer, I went to church camp for the first time. And man, it was just, it was like I had a spiritual awakening at church camp, an amazing experience. It was the first time I had ever like sung worship songs with guitars, right? That was wild. There were kids from all over the country there. And, and I really felt like I had a place to belong when I had just moved and, and I didn't know a soul in Southeast Missouri. So it was this very, just this really crucial time in my life. And, and it, it was like I had this amazing spiritual experience and, and I remember my parents picking me up and on the way home, man, I was just talking a mile a minute, if you can believe that. And I was telling them all about it and all these things I learned and all these questions I had. And, and my dad reached down, my dad is, uh, was a pastor, and he reached down and pulled out this book. Now, I wish I could tell you this is the actual book, but it's a copy of the same book. It's a book called Know What You Believe by Paul Little. It's, it's an evangelical classic, just a lot of basics of the Christian faith. I was like, oh, wow, dad, thanks. And I just, I just thought it was so cool that uh, as my dad explained, you know, he knew that this was an important experience for me and, and he knew that I'd be all riled up and probably would have a lot of questions. And, and 22 years ago, uh, that took place. And I still remember that feeling I had, that my dad had anticipated that need in advance, that he had been that thoughtful to get me uh, such a gift uh, that he knew what I would need before even I did. In, in Jesus' prayer that he teaches us to pray, he invites us to come to God as any loving child would their parent, their father. We're in our second week of our series, How to Pray, and we're using the prayer Jesus taught in Luke chapter 11. Last week, we talked about what it meant for us to adore God, to revere and respect God's name, to uphold God's reputation, to worship God, to, to give God our, our allegiance, to make God a priority. We do this not because God might forget that his name is hallowed, right, as if God needs a reminder. No, it's us that need the reminder. So we first begin, Jesus says, by adoring God. In the same way, this week we're going to look at prayer in terms of supplication. That's just a fancy word that means asking God to supply our needs. When we ask God for things, I don't believe that God is surprised. Like, it's not going to catch God off guard. But the first two lines of the prayer Jesus taught us, they kind of act as a filter, right? And that's, that's what we'll get into today, right? God knows our needs, but do we? We're zooming in on Jesus' prayer he taught his disciples in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now his followers had observed Jesus' habit of, of, of withdrawing to places to be in prayer. They had picked up on this and they noticed how important it was to him and they noticed how it fueled his relationship with God. So they asked how they could do the same thing. Jesus says uh, in Luke 11, 1 through 2, he was playing, praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So the first two things we're told about prayer is to approach God 
as a child would approach their loving parent, right? To approach God as a father, that, that then that God's name is holy, that God is to be adored and God's reputation upheld. The first two components of Jesus' prayer, they, they sort of set the tone for us. They, they act as a filter. So now we move from adoration to supplication, right? When it comes time to ask God what we need, are we asking for things that honor God? Are we asking for things that will further God's kingdom? Jesus invites us to go to God with our needs when he tells us in verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. So embedded in this one little verse are so many concepts. The first is about our dependence on God. The word give implies that we're relying on God to provide what we need, that we can't come up with it ourselves, that, that we have a need that only God can fill. We can't gain it ourselves. We have to receive it from God. Theologian C.C. Black said this, human beings are contingent creatures lacking within themselves the resources necessary for survival. The Lord's Prayer exposes those needs, pulls to the surface primary human desires, and trains supplicants' gaze upon the only one capable of fulfilling them. This, this is kind of a humbling idea. But, but none of us were born by our own choice. None of us taught ourselves how to breathe. None of us invented our own functioning nervous system. Now, these, these were all engineered by God. God did all of those things together. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're admitting that we're needy. Do you like to be known as needy? I don't, but I am. We're also admitting that anything we produce, even if it feels like it's of our effort, even all of those things are only possible because of the good gifts God has first given us. This can be a tough admission. There's a phrase I picked up in Southeast Missouri, and it, it goes like this. You say, somebody was born on third base, but they thought they hit a triple, right? We can come to think of ourselves this way in relation to God, as if we've earned all of this. When we forget our dependence on God, ingratitude takes its place. And, and one of the Hall of Fame Catholic theologians is Thomas Aquinas. This is how he put it. A person grows proud in their riches and does not recognize that what they have comes from God. This is a grave fault. For all the things we have, whether spiritual or temporal, come from God. Hence, in order to remove this vice, the prayer, give us even our daily bread, reminds us that all we have comes from God. Praying the word give is a reminder of our dependence on God, and we ask God to give us each day, continuing, continue to supply our needs each day. And that can keep us from giving in to anxiety, which is the second part of the human condition that we encounter as we pray this prayer. There's a connection here between Jesus' instruction to pray for daily bread and the experience of God's people in Israel early on in their history. When they were wandering in the desert, God would provide for them manna. This is this ancient Hebrew word that literally translates to, what is it? Right? So if you're a little confused about this process, it's okay. <laughs> the word is like, what's up with this? 
And it was this substance that was almost like dew that would appear daily. And the Israelites received very clear instructions that they weren't to gather more than they needed for a single day. Right? I think especially lately, we've, we've had to fight the temptation of, of not only kind of hoarding what we might need that day, but the next day or the day after. Right? Shortages of toilet paper, hand sanitizer, soap, meat prices like through the roof. My hobby's getting expensive, man. <laughs> Sorry, not, not, not that big a deal in the midst of a global pandemic, but 19 bucks a pound, come on. Right, and, and, it's, and so it's tempting to hoard those things. That's why they have to put limits, limit two per customer. Because we have this instinct just to, to take more than we need for the day in case it runs out. I was at Price Chopper the other day, and it's just, it, it's interesting to me kind of what they happen to run out of. You know what I was looking for and couldn't find? Cream of mushroom soup. It was all sold out. I, and I was like, what's up with all the people buying this cream of mushroom soup? And then I was like, well, I guess I am, so I don't know. Anyway, anyway, Jesus tells us to take things a day at a time. In Matthew 6, we read this. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I was a youth pastor for 13 years, and, and one of the things I saw as a trend that, that was heartbreaking to me over those 13 years was the number of students that dealt with anxiety. I'm talking about middle school kids and high school kids with legitimate, diagnosable anxiety on the rise. And I think that's sort of emblematic of our culture. We have a fear of the future, fear of not having enough, fear of not measuring up, and, and, and this, this sort of fixation with the unknown future causes anxiety in us. Part of the Lord's Prayer puts our focus back on today and off of tomorrow, off of our anxiety about the future. We pray for the faith to just put one foot in front of the other a day at a time, trusting in God's provision for today. And that provision is represented by bread. Bread is an essential human staple for thousands of years. In the first century, you typically didn't go to the market to buy bread. A lot of times folks made it in their homes. Right? This is, there's a certain humbleness that goes along with Jesus' instruction to pray for bread. Right, I think it's what the kids would call basic. Did I say that right? Okay, I'm one for one. Again, Thomas Aquinas notes, the Lord did not teach us to ask for ourselves delicacies, nor for many kinds of things, nor for what is over-refined, but for bread that is common to all and without which human life cannot be sustained. This again, this image of bread ties back to the Old Testament in the long story of God's interaction with people and how God provided them the essentials for life through bread from heaven. Jesus performed a miracle where he multiplied bread for the crowds and he would go on to refer to himself as the bread of life. When Jesus was giving him, his disciples a meal to remember him by, he chose the symbol of bread to represent his body which would be broken to them. It represented the provision of God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Bread is a simple thing, but it is a central component of Jesus' ministry. When we pray for daily bread, we're asking God to supply us with what we need 
for today. So in this one verse, we have three things for which we're praying. We're admitting our dependence on God. We're we're putting off anxiety about the future by focusing on today. And we're asking for God's provision. So along with the first two lines of the prayer, or or after those first two lines about adoring God, we're really getting into the nitty-gritty of the human condition. Right? Our propensity to, to be independent. Our fixation on, on not having enough or our fear of the future and, and, and this twisted concept that, that we can make our own way and that whatever we need, we can provide for ourselves. All of those things are dismantled in Luke 11.3. When we read on in Luke 11, Jesus comes back to the imagery of a loving father. And this is paralleled in Matthew chapter 7. Growing up, um, I don't know if y'all are like this in your homes, uh, but you, you kind of learn which parent to go to depending on what you're going to ask for. Okay, getting some nods here. Yeah, in, in my family, uh, my dad actually told me this once. Now listen, Adam, if you ever need some money for, to go to a movie or something, don't go to your mom. Just, just come to me. Oh, okay, all right, good to know. My son is six, and he's already figured out that, uh, like many families, we incentivize eating at least 40% of your dinner by offering a treat after, afterwards, right? And my six-year-old has already figured out that if he comes to dad, dad will dish out more generous ice cream scoops. So even at six, he's already gaming me, right? So I've carried on that tradition. What parent doesn't want to provide good things for their children? This is the image Jesus gives us of God. He puts it plainly in Matthew 6. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give give good gifts to your children, that's hard to say. If you know how to give give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So God is eager to supply us with good gifts, what we truly need. And I'm pretty sure that when we pray prayers of supplication, when we ask God to provide for us, that God isn't caught off guard or surprised or even offended. But are we asking for what we truly need? A lot of my prayers have a little bit more of a flavor of God, take this away, rather than God, give me the strength to persevere. It's a lot easier to pray for somebody else to change than the wisdom to maybe listen to another perspective, isn't it? Do we pray for what is more comfortable and convenient? Or do we pray that God would use whatever we're going for, going through, to be transformed more into the character of Jesus? Do we pray for what we really need? Or do we even pray at all? Sometimes it takes a crisis to kind of up our prayer game a little bit, doesn't it? Good thing we got a couple of those going on. I heard one pastor say that we treat God like an ATM. Now, for those of you under 30, let me break down what an ATM is right quick. Okay, it's this physical box that you put your debit card into, right? And don't forget it, you'll be in trouble. That's bad. And this ATM spits out physical money that you would exchange in sort of a bartering fashion for real goods. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy concept, paying cash for things. It's, it's wild, wildly antiquated. Now, we, we treat God like an ATM in that we only come around when we need a withdrawal. 
when we've got things in the right order, adoring who God is, then going to our prayers of supplication, this is what God desires. Elsewhere in the New Testament, it says, and I'm going to go King James translation on you here. Ye have not because ye ask not. When you ask, we read in the book of James, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God knows what we need, but do we? In the Lord's Prayer, we praise God for who God is and and, and keeping God's name holy. And we are praying for our desires to be aligned with God's desires, that our agenda would line up with the advancement of God's kingdom. God is wanting to supply us with what we truly need. And, And to me, this begs the question, well, what happens when we pray and don't receive? What happens when our prayers go unanswered? A lot of us can make a long list. People we love dearly that have been sick and they don't get better. Relationships that despite our our best efforts and intense prayers still deteriorate. People that are far from God that, that we pray intensely to find their way back home. Prayers that our children would be safe from violence in their schools. Prayers for this pandemic to end in a cure. Prayers for racism to cease and for justice and equity and peace for all of God's children. So what do we do then? In that list I just gave, aren't these pretty good suggestions that a loving parent would be happy to provide their child? Now, I would say there's a lot more to go over here than we're going to have time for. Sometimes God doesn't answer prayers on our timeline in the ways that we would desire or expect. And that's just really hard. Sometimes a not now feels like a no. Or other times a no turns out to be better than we could have hoped. But there's still other times that God can feel distant. And and if we're being honest, when it comes to prayer, it it feels like it's futile or or maybe even like silly. We just feel silly praying sometimes. But I'm convinced that there is power even in the asking. When we pray the prayer Jesus taught, we're reminded of who God is and who we are in relation. And we're also challenged to check our motives against God's holy name and God's coming kingdom. God wants us to be part of the process of of his kingdom coming to earth. God wants us to take an active role in, in God's will. God wants us to have a part to play. But there are other times where we're just not going to know the answers. I love how 1 Corinthians describes it in chapter 13. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. In other words, we don't have the whole picture. But then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. You know, when your sermon's really only on a single verse, you can really dig into every word in there. And one word we haven't paid a lot of attention to in Luke eleven three is the word us. Give us each day our daily bread. Isn't that interesting that that's plural? 
in, in, in responding to the disciples' question, Jesus gives us language that's not just for an individual. It's plural. The Lord's Prayer is not a solitary one. It's something we do together. It's something we can all benefit from together. One of my favorite things about our church is that we've said this bad boy every week. So what better way to end a message on prayer than for us to pray together? In, in, in what seems a lot like a prayer, in Ephesians 3, we read this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within, who's it within? Us. Within us, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So don't limit God by being too proud to ask. Don't kind of do this humble brag thing where, where maybe you think what you want to ask God is, is not important enough to bring to God. Don't sell God short like that. Don't sell yourself short like that. God isn't going to be surprised by what we need, but we might be. So here at church, online, in your headphones, at the gym, in your car, wherever you're at, let's go to God together in prayer and let's pray to God for supplication. Would you join me? Holy God, we come to you as your beloved children. We praise you for your great name. We call to mind all the blessings that you have provided us with, all the things we take for granted, all the things that we just kind of grow accustomed to. And in this moment, God, wherever we are, we lift up those desires of our hearts to you. We lift up the healing that we need in our lives, both on an individual and societal basis. Whatever it is in this moment, God, you know what we need, and we ask that you would provide it for us. Hundreds of thousands of people around the world wiped out from this pandemic. Voices uh, calling for racial justice around our country and around the globe. So many people hurting economically, emotionally, physically, God, the needs are too many for any one of us to list or to bear, so that's why we give them over to you. So would you remind us of your presence with us? Would you give us enough peace, enough joy, enough love to get us through another day? God, we pray together, give us each day our daily bread. And everybody said, amen. You know, friends, as a part of worship, we have the opportunity to be generous. And uh, one of the things that uh, I love most at our church is our church's love for children. Now, with all of us being distributed, we've had to get a little bit creative, but I'm, I'm really proud of our team and uh, our vacation Bible school theme this year. It's called Focus. And that's going to be in July. And, and we've got a place on our website where you can sign up for a kit. We're going to hook you up with all the stuff you need to give your children and maybe even some kids in your neighborhood a, a really meaningful experience. I'm already signed up for my three and six-year-old, and, and I can't wait to see if we can round up a couple neighbor kids and have a socially distanced outside VBS. So it's my prayer that, that maybe 
we'd encounter more kids than we would have if we could have been here, or that somehow some kids will find their way to the good news of Jesus that wouldn't have otherwise heard it because we're taking VBS to you. And it's because of your generosity that we're able to offer these ministries. So we thank you for your continued faithfulness. At our church, we have three ways to give. If you're accustomed to writing a check, we can receive that here at the church. You can give online at carney.church giving. And if you want to spurn the ATMs and embrace 2020, you can give by texting the word give via text to 816-354-1760. Let's say a prayer of blessing over these gifts. God, thank you so much for the faithfulness of so many who continue to give, who, who continue to trust that your provision will continue day by day. We ask that you would accept these gifts in the spirit with which they're given, out of joy and not obligation, with the hope that they would help your kingdom come, that all of our gifts together could mean more than they ever could alone, so that more and more people could come to know the saving love of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you very much. I want to invite uh, Esther up here and uh, Hazel too. Um, our Westside Band uh, that launched uh, a couple years ago, uh, launched into Dogwood Elementary School. We launched out of this space here, and one of the people that's been along for that ride since almost the very beginning was Esther, who came in, um, was one of Mike Rogers' uh, first uh, accompanist on some songs, and she and Hazel have been with us. <laughs> there goes Hazel's milk. Have been with us for... <laughs> She's got her headphones on, have been with us, and we have very exciting and kind of sad news, um, but very exciting for Esther, exciting for us. She's moving on to be a worship leader for a, um, another satellite uh, launch, or it's already launched, but another satellite church um, down in Oak Grove. So that's very exciting, um, very exciting for her, and we're so excited that we've now been able to, not only have we launched and created a new place for new people here, but we have people coming out of our um, out of our system to go um, go spread God's word and be be leaders and worship leaders in another location. So, and uh, I'm getting a little emotional. Uh, Esther said she might get a little emotional just um, on this um, at this moment, but she's she's still in our community. She lives uh, lives locally and still plans to take part in some of our community stuff while she also still uh, is going to lead worship on Sunday mornings in Oak Grove. So I want to ask you to, we're going we're to pray over Esther uh, real quick. So if you are here with us, you want to reach out an arm towards Esther. And if you're at home, I believe uh, God works greater than the space-time continuum. So we're going to pray over Esther real quick. Lord, Thank you for the great gift of Esther and the ministry she did through her music and her song and her story and her word that she shared with us here in this Carnic community. Be with her as she goes forth into a new community to spread that love and worship leadership and prayerful leadership and her personality and her spirit goes into that community to share your love, to be, to be a tool, an instrument of spreading spreading your word into further communities. Thank you for this opportunity we've had with her and bring her back into, into our congregation, every opportunity we have. We know she'll be fully embraced and loved here as long as we're around. These things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.